Mr. Pop. Trust me, I won't be doing this for 50 years. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Gather round, everybody. Get it? Gather round, because that's what we're heading towards in the AFL, the gather round. So gather round your little podcast speakers, and here comes this week's edition of Rock and Roll, starring Brian Mannix. Hello, Brian. Gather round, come inside. <laughs> what the gather round? About. What, 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 what? That's, that's the AFL gather round. Everyone's gathering around for round five in Adelaide this week. The entire football universe has gone to Adelaide. And every oh, game... Picnic round, what, we'll just throw things at Nick Dacos, will we? It's just... What's the point of gather round? What does it mean? Well, I'm not sure that, that anyone knows the answer to that, but Mark Fine may, and he's, he's gathered around his... Podcast microphone now to spend some time with us, Brian. Hello, Finey. Hello, boys. Yeah, the football world is focused on Adelaide. Adelaide hasn't had this much attention since they held the serial killer convention in <laughs> 1997. Hang on. Two minutes it took us to get to a Snowtown reference. <laughs> Might be a new world record. Let's not forget what happened at the zoo there. <laughs> uh, and I looked it up today. Adelaide Zoo is actually listed as one of the ten attractions that you should go to. <laughs> Yeah, you go to the red light district in Amsterdam or you go to the Adelaide Zoo, same result. All right, so what do you, when you think of Adelaide, what do you think of, Finding What's the first thing that comes into your head? Oh, my good friend, Angela Modra. I, I haven't been for a little while, but I used to go to Adelaide or Gawler River a lot, yeah. so I spent a lot of time in Adelaide. Um, I, I really like it. I really like Adelaide. I reckon it's certainly the Barossa and, you know, well, the, Barossa, can... the Barossa, of course, is known for its wine and its views and its its beautiful, you know, um, ambiance. And we we've got a similar thing on this program. It's called the Penthouse. It's known yeah, for its true. it's known for its alcohol content, its views, and its 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 ambulance, um, <laughs> which, which comes and gets Brian and revives him every few minutes. So we've we've got the equivalent going on here. What do you think yeah, of when Ad, Adelaide, Brian? Because I know you spend a lot of time in Adelaide. Um, Adelaide's good. Um, However, I think of it generally because um, we'd go over and we'd have to visit all of Sue's friends and her relatives. So I, I do see Adelaide as a bit of an itinerary of things to do once you get there. And I know I was going there for, you know, 30 odd years and I was saying, can we go to the Barossa and just, you know, go and check out the wineries? We never got to do that. But um so it's busy for me, lack of waves. Um, hey. People say slightly English, but um, weather's great and um, no traffic. And, no, it's a good spot. I like Adelaide and um, I've got a soft spot for it for sure. Um, a pie floater. Have you ever had an Adelaide pie floater, Finey? No, I've seen them. You know, I, I, wouldn't throw, I wouldn't throw it at my worst enemy, but, yeah, fair enough if you want to eat. If you, if you want to uh, – they used to have them outside the casino, but I don't think they do anymore. I think they've got wise themselves. Food's very good in Adelaide. There's some really good food. I used to love going to Harndorf and eating all the Bavarian food, German food. That was fun. Yeah, I, like I, I must say, I mean, I really like Adelaide, but it is a, I mean, is it a big city? It's not really a big city. No. If it is, if it is, it's a, it's a $2 shop version of a proper city. It's got an inferior yeah. complex. Yeah, they do. For good reason. <laughs> I mean, I really like it there. Don't get me wrong, but everything's a little bit NQR in Adelaide. You know, just – but that's not a bad thing. So they're a few years behind. Big deal. Who wants – you know, who yeah, wants – I think that's one of, one of its attractions at the moment, that it's not as f***ed up as Melbourne or Sydney is. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's a little bit behind, but – I think that's a nice thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, yeah. I, it's 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 still a, a sort of a veal parmigiana chips and salad sort of joint, but that's okay. 
well, you know, go to Tassie and you've got to set your watch back about 15 years. But but, that's that's so, but but that is its charm. That's part of its charm is that it, it is a world away. Oh, it's great. I love Tassie and I love the people of Tassie and I think Adelaide has got that same sort of charm as well, you know. Um, yeah. No, it's a good, good part of the world. Because Brisbane, yeah, no. Brisbane always tried to be Sydney or Melbourne and, and failed miserably to be both. And then actually uh, at some stage after the expo in the mid-80s, it actually went, hang on, you know, Brisbane's not actually a bad place. Let's just be Brisbane. Yeah. And I've only ever been, I've only ever been to Brisbane once. And it was in the middle of summer. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it decided that it, it, it was okay to be Brisbane, whereas it spent sort of 20 years there from the sort of uh, early 70s, of from the mid-60s to the mid-80s virtually going, we want to be someone else. When they decided they actually liked what they were, it actually yeah. turned into a really good city. And you know what? I actually like Perth. I like Adelaide. I love Tassie. I'm a Melbourneian, so I love Melbourne. I'm surprisingly fond of Brisbane. I just don't like Sydney. I don't like – I I'm, Never liked Sydney, and I hate going there. Now, as someone who's done done all these towns that we've just talked about, Brian, in a in both a a touristy sense uh, as a visitor and as a going there to work with the bands and that you've you've taken all around Australia over the years, give us a summation of travelling around the countryside. Well, the smaller the population, the more friendly people are. Um, they're not as smaller as in number of people or. Small yeah. like you. Like if you go to say Stroud in Tasmania, I think it's a population of four fifty. And then, you know, the next morning is some fisherman giving me two giant crayfish, you know, because I oh, I like the way you sang Brown Eyed Girl or whatever the hell I sang. <laughs> Just a nice guy. And in Adelaide, we first started touring Adelaide, you know, people would invite us to barbecues and stuff, which was, you know, really nice. Sydney Everybody's, you know, they're just in a, such a rush trying to get their own shit done that they don't have time for anybody else. And that's why they've all got really cool haircuts because they've got to stand out from this mass of people. And then Melbourne, bit the same. Um, Perth is great, but it's just, you just feel too far cut off from the rest of the country. Darwin's magnificent. And, um, Alice Springs, I could take or leave it. Okay, don't like Alice Springs. What about did you did you mention Brisbane? Oh, Brisbane. Well, I lived in Brisbane for three months while I was doing We Were Rock You, and it, you know it was like eight degrees in Melbourne, and it was twenty three there. And I think, how good's this? Um, you know, even on the weekend, um, I was at stall, um, and uh, you know it was thirteen degrees, but in stall was probably about eleven, and um, don't look at Gold Coast, 27. You know, so, yeah, Gold Coast is probably the best place in Australia. That's uh, my summation, but uh, there you go. All right. Well, the gather round, and we'll look at the footy tips in a minute, uh, but uh, someone's uh, had a little slip, a little falter in the footy tips <laughs> from the weekend just gone. Yeah, I know. little slip. The cracks are showing. Yeah. If we were – if Finey and I – were those kind of football journalistic type people who immediately saw it? We'd be we'd be saying your season's over, the cracks are appearing, uh, it's all downhill from here. Uh, we'd be doing we'd be exaggerating as much as we possibly could the small, tiny, weeny little uh, drop that you had this week, um, mm. uh, which is what you know the classic football writers have been doing to Geelong for the first three weeks of the season, and today at halftime they're probably already halfway through writing the story of the demise of the reigning premiers for, you know, zero and four after four games. No one's ever done that. They would have been looking all those stats up. And then Geelong comes out in the second half of the game on Easter Monday and kicks 15 goals to one. Well, if you go to the tape from last week, Kev, you'll hear me say, there's no way Colin uh, Geelong are going to lose four in a row. Hang on, we'll just go to that tape now. Hang on, hang on. Thank you. There's no way known Geelong's going to lose four in a row. That's what I reckon. My name's Brian Mannix. Thanks for, thanks for listening. There you go. I think you're playing it too fast, Kevin. <laughs> it's 8.45. Hello, my name's Brian Goodness. Anyway, anyway, there's proof that I <laughs> heard it here first. The world's never heard predictions like that before. 
Uh, all right, well, let's, let's talk about the footy before we'll get into the tips and have a look at the, the gather round. It sounds to me like the start of a, a, a fairy tale kind of like a, one of those, you know, gather around boys and girls, we're going to play some footy in Adelaide. Just, I don't know, it's such a namby name for thing. Uh, finally, your thoughts on uh, the footy from the weekend. What did you like, dislike, not like? What were you surprised by? Well, let me think. Very pleased. Look, I know the Saints are only playing Gold Coast, but sure, they look good yep. for a team with a lot, a lot of players out. So, sterner tests await, but at least they're in a position to attack them with some sort of self belief. That's good fun. It's good. Yep. Um, yeah, what else happened? Carlton were very much like Geelong. They were a bit. Bit nothing for a half, but you should be beating North and Hawthorne if you've got any serious ambitions this year. They're, they're going to be down the bottom. That's Adelaide was pretty impressive. Yep. Um, West Coast tried their hardest with a lot of players out. You know, good anyhow. Sydney and Port was the big surprise for me in terms of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't pick the result, but I guess it was a, you know. There's going to be an upset. Port's not terrible. Yeah. And and Brisbane, what a season they've had. They've beaten the two teams that a lot of people think will play off in the grand final. Yet they've still got a bit to prove. Interesting. They weren't very good against us, though. They were inaccurate, which which didn't help their cause. Uh, yeah. Us, I mean, the Western Bulldogs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, totally different-looking team on uh, on Thursday night when they played uh, Collingwood. Brian, your yeah. your goods, bads and indifference from the weekend's footy? Well, I, I think you just touched on it, Kev. Um, I just can't understand the indifference that coaches seem to have with accuracy in front of goal. Like that game that you were talking about, Bulldogs and um, Collingwood, was it last week? Brisbane, yeah. They were one goal 13 at one point. Then, you know, to have 14 shots and only get one, and let's not talk about the ones that fell short or went out of bounds on the full. And then Essendon the other night was um, uh, two goals. I don't know. We ended up kicking 11-22. So... You know, it was one in three. But seriously, you know, if, if you could kick accurately, you'd win so many more games. You don't – you know, they always talk about creating opportunities, but nobody talks about taking your opportunities. And I think that's the thing. You know, you might only have – you don't need a lot of opportunities if you take them all the time. And I, I and I was talking to somebody today and uh, they're tied in with uh, uh, one of the big teams. And um, they were saying that this season that you normally expect the teams to have got better. But in fact, this season, they've actually gone back a bit from where they were last year. Now, I don't know whether that's true, but it's an interesting concept. Well, finally, do you have a theory on why goal kicking has, has not improved? Is the one part of the game that no matter how they seem to have attacked every other aspect of the game in terms of uh, you know, fixing it up and making it less mistake-ridden, not necessarily better, just less mistake-ridden, why we haven't been able to do it in front of goal? Yeah, I reckon goal-kicking has improved from set shots. Set shots are better, but there's a heck of a lot of emphasis on forward line, on, on you know, pressure in the forward line. So a lot of shots that are not goals are... Uh, they're just not chances to be goals, and that's what the back line tries to make you do. And remember, when a ball goes through for a point now, that's almost like getting a free kick on the wing. So teams are very comfortable conceding a point or putting the opposition forwards in a position where they're just one in ten chance of kicking a goal. But from, mean, a, from, a, from a set shots... Much better than it used to be because I'm telling you, it might annoyed might have annoyed people originally, but how good are players now are kicking around the body? You know that banana type kick, and you know that is a much better shot at goal from an angle than the old attempted drop punt. But they but they do it from directly in front now, and well, you that's know, all right. They're kicking them. 
somebody like Joe Danaher, not this week, but the weekend before, he had four set shots and missed a lot of them. It's oh, yeah. like Look, players, you, certain players I, are going to struggle, but to kick goals, like wow, you know, if, yeah, if I only get like Collingwood one thirteen, well, if I only sing one in thirteen notes right, I'm out of a job, and I just can't understand that, you know, that it's just. Oh, well, you know, we just missed. It's like I think it's a really quick way to fix your team if you can kick straight. Yeah, but a lot of those shots are from a long way out under pressure and not really, you know, they're, they're pot shots. I mean, if you want to kick goals, you get the ball, either you get it on turnover and get it out the back and run into an open goal or you you trying to get the ball down the middle, but a lot of teams force you very wide. So, no. I'd... Let's look at it this way, okay? I'm sitting in a tank in Afghanistan. <laughs> and I've got a shoot ship, but I'm getting bombed and crap at me anyway. But if I only hit one in 14 shots, geez, I reckon I'm going to be in a bit of bother. And I think they've got far more pressure getting way less money so, you know, for 800000 bucks a year, you should get nearly – you should get at least 70% of your shots, I reckon. I just think it's a joke. And I yeah. won't change my – Depends where they're from, mate, and depends whether they're shots at all. A lot of those – a lot of balls are landing in the goal swing, just getting smashed through for points. And, statist- and statistics can tell you anything because, I mean, if you, if you equate it to golf and you talk about putting on the green and, and goal kicking within the 50-metre square, you can be in 25 different places inside the 50 having a shot at goal and you can be in 25 different places on a putting green, one of which might be an inch from the cup and the other one might be 30 feet from the cup to go up and down two hills to get to the cup. So you might, you know, statistics can tell you all sorts of variance on that. Anyhow, every year, every year they say goal kicking gets worse. Yeah. If that was the case, if, if that was true, then when they said it 10 years ago to now, no one would ever kick a goal. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I will say is I agree with you, Finey, and I think as this, as, as the Tom Hawkins of the world uh, leave the game, I think the next generation of, uh, and it starts with Jeremy Cameron probably, and the players, the players now underneath that, there will hardly be anybody taking a run-in straight at the goal kick anywhere in this game within five years. It'll be the yeah, way the, the way rugby league went, and the way that our game's going will be exactly the same. Yeah, and I mean, I'm telling you, even when it was a long time since I played football, and I was much more comfortable kicking it around the body, you get much better purchase. Yep, it's just it's just how you flush the ball. I mean, there's a sweeter spot drop- on your foot to hit. Yeah, when you drop it, when you drop it on its point, you've really got a smaller target. Yeah, you've got a smaller, a smaller drop zone, uh, which yeah. is more pinpointed, and it's more pinpointed to a certain spot on your foot. And if you don't hit it exactly right, there's no margin for error. But if you're yeah, kicking I mean, around your body, you've got the width as well as the the drop down part. Yeah, I mean Gaelic footballers only kick around the body. Yeah, they don't kick drop punts. It's just ridiculous, you know. Just how it is. Yeah, the most the most accurate way to kick a drop punt is actually a drop kick. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Well, why don't we do that? And I think it's still legal to do a, a set kick like they do in rugby league. I don't think that's been. If you wanted to, I believe you could do that. I'm not sure. Okay, pl- do, do it. Funny is it? Is it? Uh, is it in the rules still? A place kick. Yeah. But, the grounds are so hard, how are you going to make the divot to yeah, put the well, ball in? It's a good point. Yeah, you're digging into the car park at Marvel Stadium trying to yeah, set a ball up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like in rugby league. They give you a tee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, if they gave you a tee, it would be perfect. We'll put the tee in. I think, they're trying to speed, I think they're trying to speed the game up, not slow it down. Yeah, exactly. Not going to be here. God knows. Uh, now, we're getting to a chart this week that is from November 30, 1966. Let me give you the top 10, and then we'll get to the footy tips and a couple of other bits of business. Number what, t- what, what, what's the date? November 30, 1966. 
I still would have been partying after the premiership. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Uh, number 10, I'm a Boy by The Who. Number 9, The Loved Ones, The Loved Ones. CC Rider by Eric Burden and the Animals at number 8. Last Train to Clarksville's number 7 for The Monkeys. Number 6, Born a Woman by Sandy Posey and the Australian version by Judy Stone. Five was Spicks and Specks by the BGs. Four, Lady Godiva by Peter and Gordon. Three, Winchester Cathedral by the new Vaudeville Band. Number two, If I Were a Carpenter by Bobby Darren. And number one, Sorry by the Easy Beats. Who came out of Adelaide originally? Gather Round. The Gather Round. Gather Round the Easy Beats while they sing Sorry. Great, one of the great little guitar riffs, the start of that song, I reckon. Uh, so that's the chart. We'll get to that. There's some there's some tasty morsels in there. There's some really funny, weird things, and there's some very 1966 things in there as well. So it's a really good little chart. Now the footy tips. As uh, have a look over the uh, the list. The one we all got wrong was uh, Port. No one picked uh, Port to win that, so we all missed out on that one. Uh, and we all got Carlton. We all got the Crows. We all got Melbourne. And we all got the Cats, uh, and varying degrees of the others. So finally, you finished up with six for the weekend. To take you to a total yep. of twenty-two and a half, I got six for the weekend. To take me to a total of sixteen and a half, and Brian, your slip is showing mm-hmm. five. That'd still put me equal first, though, wouldn't it? Yes, it does, Brian. With twenty-two and a half equal with Finey, still six ahead of me. <laughs> no, still top of the ladder. That's okay. Okay, happy with that? Oh, I'm going to be really happy with this week's tips. You are, eh? All right. Oh. Doing research like there's no tomorrow. Okay. Well, there are some interesting games and all being played. Um, there's one, two, three, four. There's six games at Adelaide Oval this weekend and uh, and two games at Norwood and one game in the Adelaide Hills. I'm tipping Fremantle and the Gold Coast. you got the ones out a bit from the ground. Uh, uh, North Melbourne and Brisbane are playing in the Adelaide Hills. Yeah, that'd be right. Uh, Fremantle and the Gold Coast are playing at Norwood Oval, as yeah. as are uh, Hawthorne and GWS. Yeah, all the shit teams get them out <laughs> pretty, of ground. Pretty much, I think Norwood yeah. Oval is pretty good ground, though. I, but I'm oh. not, I'm not sure where what the ground is described uh, in the uh, in the fixture as the Adelaide Hills. But like my son's going to watch Essendon and that and, and another game, Melbourne. Yeah, he's going to watch two games. Well, probably, you know, the teams like Gold Coast and Fremantle, having them sandwiched between, you know, Carlton, Collingwood or, you know, might help them. But anyway. He'll be, the, he'll be at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday night, uh, Saturday afternoon at 4.10 watching Essendon and Melbourne and then at 7.50 it's Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good footy ticket to have for the weekend, I would have thought. I would think so. Yes. All right. Let's get to the uh, let's get to your tips and your thoughts. Uh, we'll get, dive straight into them. Uh, Thursday night, uh, Adelaide will kick this gather round off uh, playing Carlton at the Adelaide Oval. <sighs> Boy, uh, I'm going to go for Carlton. I think they are actually playing pretty reasonable football and I think they will beat the Crows. I'm still not – I'm not sure about Finey. Carlton's getting a few good players back, but they're losing Harry Mackay. <sighs> Interesting game. Mm. I'm going to go for – I'm going to go for Adelaide. Okay. I had Carl written down, but I'll change it to Adelaide. I've got a form god on Adelaide yet. I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Uh, Brian? Well, I probably was because I think, you know, it's the big Adelaide weekend, so the Crows should come out pretty f***ing fired up. The crowd should be all behind them, the last thing they're going to see. So, um, yeah, I think Adelaide are a good chance. But since Finey's picked him, I'll um, I'll go with what I think is oh. common sense over Carlton. Carlton. You know, as soon as you start going common sense with the footy tips, you die in the arse. 18 uh. rounds out, he's trying to just <laughs> nip in front and stay there. Oh, Brian. <laughs> you do, Brian, you do realise there's going to be three or four rounds when you'll be tipping half cut. So don't <laughs> don't think you're going to be able to carry this off sensibly for the rest of the year. How, how do you think I got nine the other week? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's it's, right. It's that. Come on. Uh, very good. Uh, Friday night, the first of the two Friday games. Frio play the Gold Coast at Norwood Oval at uh, ten past five. 
Gee, this is a difficult one because both these two sides are going, uh, in the words of the immortal, Scheisenhausen. Uh, but I'll go the Gold Coast Suns to beat Frio. Finey? Frio. Mr Mannix. Flew back on um, yesterday with the Gold Coast and uh, didn't like what I saw. No. They were smiling. They were having a bit of a laugh. Uh, nobody seemed depressed. I don't know if that's standard behaviour, but you just got your ass tapped. And um, look, I think Freo are probably due to win, but I've got to go with my team, the Suns. So Gold Coast. Oh, so you go. Oh, okay. So did you did you speak to any of them, or you know, engaged in any conversation, or go up and oh, say good day on Brian? I, I just said, hey, you guys are shit. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, and they said, what in reply? What was their response? You know what Essendon's famous for, don't you? That's what they... <laughs> there uh, you right. go. The other Friday game is Sydney against Richmond. This will be played at the Adelaide Oval at 10 past eight on Friday night. Um, I'll go for Sydney because I wasn't terribly enamoured with Richmond, even though they hammered the doggies in the second quarter. Uh, but then they, they went missing again after that. Finey? Swans. Swans. Mr Mannix. Yeah, I'll go the Swans. So we're all going for the Swans on that one. Head to Saturday, North Melbourne take on Brisbane up in the Adelaide Hills. That'll be interesting. I can't see North Melbourne winning that. I'll go for Brisbane, Finey. Brisbane. Manix. Brisbane. Second game on Saturday is the Bombers up against Melbourne. Adelaide Oval, 10 past four. I'll be going for Melbourne. Uh, Finey? Melbourne. It's a... uh... It's a game changer. It's the Bombers. It's the Bombers. They're going to make a statement. Right. Jakey Stringer was very good. The only, only player on the weekend to get the full voting from both coaches as the clearly their most outstanding player on the ground. Well, well I think Jeremy Cameron might join him. Yeah, I think Jeremy Cameron might join him. Um, and I know if I was if I had two blokes up against the wall and I was picking my team, I'd be picking Jeremy Cameron before Jake. But anyway, uh, so Bombers, are you sure, Brian? Um, well, Max Gorn's still out, isn't Don't he? Don't try and talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, pardon me. Excellent tip. Sorry, no, I yeah. mean, no, what I said was, Brian, Bom- Bombers, you're sure, Brian? Good. Okay, we'll move on. Um, I'm sure. Port Adelaide take on the Western Bulldogs Saturday night at Adelaide Oval at 7.50. The Doggies, I wouldn't go as far to say as some people had their back in town, but they looked good at the start, fell in a heap, came back, impressed with their resilience. So I like that. There was a lot I didn't like, but I did like that. Finey? Port Adelaide. Okay. Mr Mannix? Port Adelaide. We head to Sunday, and Geelong will play the West Coast, and they will give them a right old flogging, I'm here to tell you, up at Adelaide Oval. What do you think, uh, Mr Fine? How do the Premiers get to play Geelong, Hawthorne and West Coast three weeks in a row? <laughs> I don't know. The second half of their draw must be a nightmare, even though I, I did hear someone say that six of their last eight games will be at uh, GMHBA Stadium. Yeah, yeah. It's all got up with them. Uh, Not the first and last time you've heard that expression on this program from Mark Fine. Uh, Brian? Who is it? Geelong versus who? West Coast. Correct. (laughs) You know, 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 when their initials are WC, who cares? Or water closet. As they that's what referred to the yeah. toilet because that's where they've been playing. They've got they've got a, they've got massive injury problems too. As if they got I think they've got other problems, but they've got massive injury problems as well. Yeah, yeah. Geelong for you, Brian. Just I just don't want to agree with you both. Um, no, f- it. I'll go West Coast. Okay, not the first and last time you'll hear that on this program either from Brian Mannix. <laughs> um, Hawks take on GWS. Hawks were good in the first half today, but then they, they dropped off. I'm I'm going to stick with GWS, even though they've been letting me down like there's no tomorrow. Finey? Yeah, GWS. Monsieur Menix? GWS is so embarrassed by what they've been serving up that, yeah, they'll be coming out fired up. So GWS for me. 
And what uh, at this stage, probably at the start of the year, wouldn't have been, but now at this stage of uh, proceedings is the match of the round, I think, at 4.50 on Sunday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. St Kilda will play Collingwood. Uh, and it's a bloody hard game to pick. Um, I'm going to go for Collingwood, not with any great um, conviction whatsoever. Finey? Well, you know the rule. You're going for Collingwood. Four out of four so far. Yep. Now, Mr Mannix, the voice of reason, top of the ladder of our footy tipping competition. Collingwood get a Ruckman back this weekend? No. 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 Yeah, well, Sage for me. They've, They've done me well. Okay. So there you go. So that is the footy tips. As I mentioned, the ladder sits uh, with Finey and Brian both on top at the moment, 22 and a half each, and I'm trailing by six on 16 and a half. Now, let's talk some other sport and some other bits and pieces from around the play. Finey, got to talk about um, – you rang me, uh, sent me a message this morning about having a look at an IPL game, which I did. The, IP, the IPL is, is sensational viewing, but this – just just take us through what happened in this game because I, I watched the 13-minute uh, highlights thing and I'm still I'm still shaking my head. Brian, did you watch the Gujarat Titans versus the Kolkata Knight Riders? Of course I did. I've got it I've got it videotaped. I'll probably watch it again as soon as we finish this podcast. Well you would if you would. You would you would you would if you really did. <laughs> yes. I've watched believe, watched the last over four would. times. Believe me, you would. So Gujarat batted first. They batted beautifully on their home turf. Magnificent stadium, the Nahendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad or whatever it is. And they made 205 of 20 overs. <laughs> the Kolkata Knight Riders made a pretty good start. They were about, I think they were two for 100. Two for around 100 off 11 overs. Then they got to the 17th over, I think it was. They started the 17th over at four for 155 and Rashid Khan from Afghanistan, first three balls, took a hat-trick. Spinner. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And very good. Very good. Wicket, wicket, wicket. So seven for 155 with just over three overs to go. Anyhow. They were trying their hardest, but unfortunately they just couldn't get the ball away. And the last over, they needed 29 off the last over and they hit a single off the first ball off the last over. So they needed 28 off five balls. And then this bloke called Rinku Singh. (laughs) Off the last five balls, we had six, 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 six. And with four to win, sixth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he had 30 off the last five balls and they won. Oh, how good is that? Oh, you should have seen it. It was, it, it's quite stunning. If you, uh, I mean, it, I was watching it and, I, and the commentators, after the first six, oh, well done. And then the second six, look, it's great hitting, but they can't win. And after the third six, it's a great try. And then the other commentator goes, you know, they can actually win. <laughs> And then they did the math and they said, yeah, he, he needs a six and a four, but he hit a six and a six. 39 off eight they needed and they got him. It was, it was it's stunning. And, the, and, and Fonny and I, you, you and I have had this conversation earlier today, but the whole game, there was, there was hardly any, um, uh, you know, trick shots, if you want to call them <laughs> that. It was mostly just clean hitting of, of the ball in normal batting stance, you know, moving your feet yeah. around and, and moving moving your position on the on the wicket to get a better purchase on the ball. But for the most part, they were just clean hitting the ball like as crisp as. And you know, Brian, yes. the amazing thing is that that guy who bowled the last over, it wasn't a bad over. That's not the word you'd use to describe it. It was no. the most shithouse piece of bowling <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. I mean, that guy bowled so f***ing terribly. He bowled three full tosses. Yeah, he did. And two half pictures. I mean, he just, he choked. He, was, he just he bowled. Did. He was trying he, so hard to, to bowl Yorkers. Yeah, he just, he knew he just needed to get one in the block hole and the game was over. 
and he bowled the worst five balls you have ever seen in your life. Well, you would have yeah. thought, to be honest, Fine, you would have thought when they only got a single off the first ball of the over, if you're the bowler, you're thinking, well, they've got to get they've got to get 30 off five balls. They're not going to yeah, do that. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. I've, I've just got, got to bowl them. Yeah, all I've got to do is land this on the pitch and we win the game, we walk off and that's fine. Yeah. But after each six, he bowled the worst delivery. <laughs> like twice he bowled, they were close to no balls. He bowled really high full tosses, but yeah. way outside off stumps so the guy could free his arms at it. They were horrible deliveries. It was it was totally disrespectful to the bloke who had the bat in his hand at the other end of the thing because he clearly thought, this bloke has no chance of hitting anything. I can bowl this anywhere I want. Yeah, well, he'll... Uh, you know, Lord Rinku, Rinku's single go down in history, but Yadesh, oh. Yadesh Dahl or whatever his name is, he's got a little place in history as well, I tell you. Uh, and there was, uh, there was a couple of other batting performances in that that was sensational as well. It was really, yeah. really, really good game to watch. I mean, in, you know, in the earlier game, I can't remember who he plays for, but, you know, I love Shikadawan. Yeah. He's captain of a team. His team lost. But his side made 144 and he made 99 not out. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a fantastic league. When you compare it to the BBL, I'm sorry, it's like comparing the A-League to the EPL. Uh, it's a very good comparison. It's such a good comparison. Like, the BBL's just flat. It's just, you know, it's guys that can't make the Shield team and, and, and a few guys that can't make touring Sides from around the world. It's yeah. a real, it's a real afterthought eleven, but over there it's bloody glorious. Yep. I've yep. been taking all this in, and the conclusion I can draw from it is that uh, finally you think that Ringo Singh should have been replaced by Ringo Starr as the uh, final bowling the final over. Well, I'm telling you. That if Kevin or I bowled that over, and I'm not talking about in our prime, I'm talking about now, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have got the runs. Well, I'm disappointed. All right, maybe not the over, but with five balls to go, there's not a bowler on the planet that couldn't hope to just not get hit for six every ball. Yeah. Yes, it's all you have to do. Not get six, for, hit six for two balls, and you're fine. You're you're laughing. Anyhow, well, anyway, I'll be I'll be bowled enough. I'm disappointed I wasn't included. I think I could have bowled that last over and saved the day as well. Well, maybe you could have. I'm quite a good little bowler. Um, can't bat or catch for shit, but um, no good between. Right. No, you didn't you didn't need to bat or catch? You just needed to bowl. Just need to well, put it, put it the on, Yorker the, on the wickets. Is, the Yorker is my specialty, but I can off spin and leg spin as well. So he's never going to know what's going to hit him. Be as confused as you with it, uh, how it comes out of your hand uh, if you don't know what you're doing. How the hell is the batsman supposed to know what's going on? I've got to admit the leg spin's a bit lame, but um, the off spin's pretty good, and uh, the medium pace. I call it fast, but it's probably just medium, but no, I'm all right. I reckon I, I, I could bowl all right. So all there right. you go. Well, they could have bowled Brian Maddox. Yeah. Thank you very much. They might have had a chance. They might have had a chance, but that's really one if you get a chance, have a look at it. It is uh, it is absolutely stunning to watch. Stunning to watch. Uh, now, uh, I wanted to mention, uh, I just wanted to, because uh, a couple of people have texted me and all that today, uh, there was a couple of stories in the papers over the weekend about me and my 50 years in radio, so I want to thank uh, Nui Takawa from the Herald Sun for writing that article, uh, inspired by a, a, an article that Sarah wrote for radio today. So, um, Well done, mate. 50 years for you and me, Brian. You wrote a song about it, and I endured 50 years of radio to get to this point. So... Pretty happy. Congratulations. Thank you, mate. Well done. Well done, mate. Great work. It's been good. It's been good. You even make sense out of this rubbish. So, you know, that's that's a test. <laughs> this, is, you know, this has been your challenge. Yeah. yeah. Trust me, I won't be doing this for 50 years. <laughs> now, Brian, having said that, uh, let me just say it's time for The Death Elizer. Now, we only got a couple this week, fortunately, which is good news. Really? Yeah. 
Well, it's good news that there's only a couple. Yeah. We- the the first one is a bloke, uh, S Club 7. Do you both know who S Club 7 is? Sounds like a boy band. No, it's a, yeah. well, it's a, a, a boy-girl band uh, out of England. Huge, huge, about 10 or 15 years ago. Paul Catamol, who was one of the singers in that, he passed away the age Paul of 46. Catamol. Paul Paul had a mole. Not died. Paul had a mole. Full cat a mole. Brian, don't be horrible. Uh, well, just get your diction right, Kevin. You've been you've much. been in the business for fifty years. They're about to do a world tour. He died unexpectedly. Yes, he did. Yeah, Casey's just telling me she's devastated. She's crying. She's devastated. There's tears on her pillow tonight. Yeah, I think he, I think he suicided, but he had had some financial money problems, and uh, they just yeah they had just announced I'll come back for a world tour, the original lineup and all that. And uh, next minute, they're dealing with um, his passing, which is at forty six. But the tour is going to go on. They're going to just prop him up. And uh, Brian, don't say that. We can't do a Super S Seven Friends of Justice League tour. Without Paul had a mole. They did not. Oh, I think that was the whole problem. Ian Bearson died at the age of 69. He was a member of the band Pilot. Now, I think you had something to do oh. with the when they came out for the countdown, didn't you? Countdown show. Um, I remember you telling me that the singer and you, which Ian wasn't the singer in the band, um, didn't you buddy up with him at one stage during those countdown well, shows? I, it was the second countdown tour and. I got tickets to go along to see it, so I went there and I was backstage and um, I was talking to the radiators and Glenn Shorick and all of that. And then I went and saw the guys from Racy and Pilot because, uh, you, know, you know, you sort of watched them as kids and, again, I was the guys from Pilot. Well, my God, they looked like they should have been at Skyway's TAB sports bar um, with a lot of my other friends sitting around waiting to die. But, um, oh, oh, look, they just – they didn't look anything like rock stars or anything. They just looked like blokes that would be having a pint and playing darts and shit, right. you know. You know, that's not to say that, I don't know, their, their performance was probably very good, but – Well, the racy blokes didn't look like pop stars when they were pop stars, let's be honest. Just... Well, you know, you – when your roadies are better looking than the band, you win. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ian was in uh, in pilot. He was also uh, a member of the Alan Parsons Project and uh, played on uh, Kate, all Kate Bush's stuff. He's a guitarist for Kate Bush and did the solo on Wuthering Heights. He passed away at the age of 69. And, Brian, I know this one all, uh, uh, means a bit to you and I because we spoke to this bloke um, and uh, he explained to us what he was doing and why he uh, was living the life that he was living. Uh, but uh, Nora Forster uh, passed away at the age of 80, who was John Lydon's, uh, Johnny Rotten's partner in life, his wife and partner in life, and she passed away uh, as a result of complications from Alzheimer's. And John's been looking after her uh, 24-7 yeah. uh, for the, the last uh, number of years now. And uh, it's a side of John Lydon that no one really sees unless you get a, a chance like we did when we, we spoke to him. At his house to see how how devoted he was to us. So, uh, well, he, and that's what was so surprising. You expect, you know, because of the Sex Pistols that he, but he was actually a very um, caring and yeah. loving guy, you know. And um, oh, look, you know, maybe it's for the best, but I don't know. But you know, I, my heart goes out to John, and yeah. uh, I'll give him a call as soon as the uh, show's over. Yep, there you go. Um, right. So uh, that that's it. Uh, we're closing it up. Well, again, hang on, I've got. There was another one. Oh, was he? Yeah, actor Michael Lerner. Now you'd know Ooh. him. You'd definitely know him if you saw him. I know the name. Nominated for an Academy Award for his role in Barton Fink, oh. and he was one one of those character actors that I'm sure you'd know if you. But. Yeah, he passed away at the age of 81. Okay, I didn't see that one. I, I checked just before I jumped on. That must have been added to the Wikipedia list. Yeah, but yeah. more importantly, um, for a period in the 70s, have a guess who he lived with. Michael Lerner. No, don't know. Yoko's pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he lived with Yoko Ono. Did he really? In London. 
Yeah. As Yoko's partner? No, no, no. He was friends with John Lennon and oh. I, I don't know, they were before they moved to the States or something, they were in London and they all lived together. Oh, there you go. I reckon there's a bit of crazy shit going on sexually in that household. Well, well, he said he said that Yoko, he, he appeared in a short movie made by Yoko. Yeah. And, and it was just a whole lot of bare bums in a yep. car park. Yep. And... Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of weird sort of sexual underlying things if you look into John Lennon too much. Um, You know, so, you know, his best friend is incredibly gay and um, there's the Spanish holiday with Brian Epstein and, you know, who gives a shit, I suppose. Um, But anyway, move on. Yeah, goes pussy. Right. Okay. <laughs> was left unattended. Unattended. Yeah. And who attended? There just, you go. I've just uh, Googled Michael Lerner. Yes, I do know who you mean. I do. Yes. Yep. Yes, he was a good actor. Yes. All right. Uh, chart time. I think we've done everything else. That's oh, the yep. end. Of yeah, close the up. Desolizer. Desolizer. All right, let's get to the uh, the chart from November 30th, 1966, the year that the Saints won their one and only uh, uh, VFL grand final. Yep. A good year in many ways. Finey, did you like the well, music that was dished up? Yeah, I think this is a pretty good chart. Yeah, I agree. No problem with getting three good ones. I found three bad ones. I found there three bad go. ones, yes, so die. Well, well, please kick us off, Mr. Fine. The 1966 is your year. All right. Um, number three, bad, by the pretentiously named Crispin St. Peter's. Oh, yeah. Well, you like that song, do you? No, 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 no. I like it. Brian and I both love the thing that he's best known for, which was a song called Pie Piper. I love it. Yeah. But My is, little brown eyes. Shit. I do, I, do, I do like that he's, he repeats brown eyes three different ways. <laughs> my little brown eyes, my brown eyes, my darling brown eyes. My sore brown eye. Yeah, it, it just sounds like a one of those, you know, a, a minibus on a footy trip where everybody pulls their pants down. <laughs> But the actual song was really boring. God. Yep. Is it a slow, slow trip to Shitsville? <laughs> a day trip to Shitsville. There you go. From his album yeah. Day Trip to Shitsville. Yeah, correct. So that's my number one band. My number one good. It's a song that I keep referring to on the show but never remember the name of or who did it. But finally it's in the charts. So oh, okay. It's Dandy by Herman... And the Hermits. It's in your good side. Yeah. It featured in the movie um, Killing, you know, In the Name of the Father. Yeah. And I quite like it. And it will not be influenced by you, so it'll go. <laughs> Is that right? You'll not be yep. influenced by me. Right then. Okay. 50, year, 50 years at the microphone or not. Yep, 50 years of the microphone tells me Dandy by Herman Simmons is shit and I have it at number three on my bad list because it's well, awful. Well, it's in my good list. Yeah, it's, it's awful. It's a bloody awful song. I'll jump ahead of you, Brian, and just take over here because I'm not going to I'm not gonna sit here and listen to that. It, it, yeah, it's it's a weird little song. Herman's Hermits did a couple of really good songs and then they did all these almost like trick songs and Dandy was one of them. It was almost like he was singing in Cockney and, uh, and yeah, just... No, annoying. I'm leaning on a lamppost on the corner of the street in case a certain little lady. All those sorts of songs. I, uh, but that's not dandy, is it? No, 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 no. That's leaning on the lamppost. But it's yeah. they did those sort of songs. And then they would do, you know, really nice songs. Uh, I'm into something good and a couple of those songs. Really good songs, but that couldn't couldn't abide that one. And my number three on the good side. You know who was you know who was a dandy? Uh of recent times or of uh, in those in the sixties, 
which ex-AFL footballer or VFL footballer turned out to be a dandy? In terms of the way they dressed and the way they carried themselves? Yeah, the way they dressed and the way they carried on. Don Scott. Correct. <laughs> Holding one. Don Scott is a dandy. Yes. Oh, yes. I saw a promo on, on Twitter the other day for Don and Sam's uh, podcast. God love them both. But, uh, yes, and Don had Don had like a purple hat on with a yellow cravat and like a bright green shirt and, and was holding his handbag and, and just being Don, and it was hysterical. He's a dandy. Oh, it was hysterical. Well, I'm glad you got that. Well played. Yeah. Uh, my number three, good. I just it's, I, I love this song because it's got such a good uh, – it's a good song, uh, but it's uh, the, I love the vocal, and I reckon this bloke could sing the shit out of anything. That's Eric Burden from The Animals and CC Ryder. Um, I really like CC Ryder. Good song. I know it's been done by – a million people, I think, including Elvis. Um, but I like the Eric Burden version. Right, Brian. Well, I find this chart quite difficult to pick bad ones. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like a lot, pretty much everything you hear. Nothing really offends me. So, I'm going to go for number forty, which is also number sixteen. Sixteen, and it is a good song, but. Phil Collins, I just hear it now and all I can hear is Phil freaking Collins. And it's like, you know, with his stupid drum machine and he's a drummer, oh, that just shits me. So he just killed this song for me. I know it is a good song, but Phil Collins killed it. It is now officially dead. Let's bury it. You can't hurry, love. Now, my good one. Can I just say, I've never seen that before of the same artist having an entry in a chart twice. I've seen different, you know, like the Sandy Posey's version and Judy Stone's version of the same song being on the same chart in different positions, but not the same song by the same artist. I, I, that's a weird one for Ghostset. They don't normally make those kind of mistakes. Yeah. My uh, number three good. Yeah. Going to surprise you. It's number 28. 28. Oh, yeah, I, I like uh, I like that song. Bend It by Dave D. Is that what it's Scotty? Dave, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. Yeah. Bend it, check it anywhere you want. No, 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 no. That oh. song that you're singing is Bend Me, Shape Me by the American Breed. That's what I voted for. Yeah, no, well, that's not that's not that song. That song that you're talking about here, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch, is... Bend it, and then it turns into like a almost like a Zorba the Greek type dance. Oh no! Well, bad luck. I'll have to go with it. Yeah, the one you're singing is "Bend me, shape me any way you want me." Tell me that you love me. Bend me, shape me any way you want. Yeah, that's that's the American breed. This one is, bum. But this one's been used in a jingle as an advertising jingle for something, and I can't remember what it is, but. It's a very distinct song. Uh, well, but you put it in there. It's not and very close. It's on. It's on my list of prospective good ones. So it's not a you know oh. shitty song. Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch with a with a group who did Xanadu. Oh, Xanadu's not bad. Yeah, Xanadu's a good song. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Finally, number two, bad. It sounds like a theme song to a cartoon. It's Lee Dorsey and Holy Cow. Yes. But it's just not a very good song. Sorry. Lee Dorsey wrote, I think, Working in a Coal Mine. Remember the thing? Did Devo, Devo did a version of it? Or, um, you know, Working yeah, in working a Coal, in coal mine. mine. Yeah, yeah he, he wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have written Holy Cow. <laughs> yes, I think he did. <laughs> Bad work. Yep, I agree. Right, my number two good, on the other hand, is the number one song on the chart. Right, oh, a great song. Sorry by the Easy Beats. And I will make no apologies for that one either. <laughs> <laughs> I love the start of that song. Yeah, great song. That guitar, that dirt, that really dirty guitar that they've got on that organ is just excellent. Tick, 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 tick. Yep. It's really good. Mr. Mannix. 
to resume our normal playing order now. Okay, well, um, I'm yes, the the little brown giblet song, which finally has already mentioned, oh, I think is, yes. is worthy of a double up. Um, brown eyes, yes. My little brown stain. Uh, Call my little brown stain. It was produced. They had a special collector's edition, and it wasn't printed in black plastic. It was printed in brown plastic, brown chunky plastic. Like it looked like a uh, chiquito bar. Right. And it was, and and of course the needle kept jumping, and people were grateful for that. So anyway, my little brown stain is um, the number two bad. Now, here's something almost quite well. Kismet almost, because tomorrow morning I'm going to go to some university up the road and there's this guy there who's 82 years old. I think his name's Louis something, I don't know. And um, he played guitar on all the Monkees records. Oh, and he really? also And he played guitar on um, uh, Lionel Richie's Say You, Say Me, or have played the solo in one of Lionel Richie's things. So anyway, he's doing some sort of clinic. So I have to go up and sing uh, Last Train to Clarksville tomorrow right. morning. Yeah, so that, you know, Louie can, you know, show what he did with the guitar and stuff. And so I'm there doing that. And, of course, Last Train to Clarksville is my number two good song. What's his name? Louie, I don't know, he's about 80, 82 or something. Okay. I don't know, I'll, I'll find out tomorrow. You want to okay. get him on the show? Oh, he should, if he played guitar on the well, Monkey songs. He, yeah, the, well. The people who played the instruments on the Monkey songs were, were, you know, Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart and all those guys, and the, the Neil Diamonds of the world, I think, drifted in and out of some of those sessions too because they wrote the songs and stuff yeah, like well, that. So. Well, that's what they're telling me. Well, so uh, if he can play guitar and do all that stuff and have a chat with us, I'd love to have a chat with him. All right, then. All right. My number two, bad. My other one, oh, yeah, this uh, – yeah, no, 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 I won't. I'll, I'll save them for number one. My number two, bad. Finally, he's muted, muted himself, I think. I don't think I've muted him. I think. No, I saw, I saw a little flash of a head disappear sort of thing. Yeah, well, he's gone again. So he'll be back in a – I'll admit him back again. Uh, my number two, Tom Jones. Very rarely do I pot a Tom Jones songs because normally Tom does good songs and they're normally, yeah. you know, even even the kind of, you know, big uh, maudlin ballads that he's done over the years, I've always kind of, you know, thought, yeah, yeah, Tom's done them all right. But this song on this chart that he's got called What a Party is the greatest bit of nonsense I've ever heard Tom Jones, and I don't remember it at all. I played it this afternoon because I thought, I don't know that song. I thought it might have been Let's Have a Party, you know, that uh, Wanda Jackson song. But it's called What a Party. Um, and it's awful. And it talks about where's Jolene when the lights go out and all this all this rubbish lyrics that it's got. So I'm afraid Tom, I think this will probably be the first time I've ever put a Tom Jones song uh, in my bad side. But What a Party certainly deserves to be there. Wow. My number two good, I could easily have Last Train to Clarksville. Uh, your a terrific song there, Brian, that you're going to be singing. I could easily have uh, put Sorry by the Easy Beats in there. Uh, but number two, I'm going to put in just the Adelaide Connection. Uh, great little band. Uh, love this bloke singing. Thought he really was uh, always 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 came good with, uh, with the, the vocals. They, they were just a good little pop band. Good, Great little Australian pop band, The Twilights. Needle in a Haystack. What a good, fun yeah. song. Goes for about a minute 59 or something silly like that. And it's just a good little song that hoots along. So for, uh, for our gather round, I'll put the Twilights in at number two. Needle in a haystack. All right. Finally, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. Righto. So uh, your list at the moment, your bad side, is My Little Brown Eyes by Crispy and St Peter's, uh, Holy Cow by Lee Dorsey, and the number one is about to come. And the, and the goodies, oh, dandy by Herman's Hermits. And sorry, by the Easy Beats. Well, maybe it was an apology for dandy. <laughs> the universe booted you off. All right, what do you got at number one? Number one bad. You probably love this, Kevin. But this is one of the more annoying songs 
I've ever heard. And I hope that if I was in 1966, I was one year old, but if I was a teenager in 1966, I hope I was cool enough to despise this. So I think I would have been. You know, they sometimes they talk about things having, you know, all the bells and whistles. Yes. Well, this stupid song actually has bells and whistles. <laughs> right. It's Winchester Cathedral. Winchester Cathedral. Yeah, some idiot singing through a megaphone. Just an annoying piece of, of you know, Commonwealth trash, that is. Yes. I, I won't. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't particularly like it. It's very distinctive. Yeah, so's, so's gonorrhea. So's gonorrhea. <laughs> Maybe not that distinctive, uh, funny, but um, yes, number three on this. It was it was a big hit around the world. Uh, in, yeah. Not in America. I don't think it did anything in America. Um, but yeah, all right. All right, your number one good uh, dandy, sorry, and? Well, in the theme, because it's sort of a very similar name to dandy and sorry, is a song that's been covered by hundreds, but... I'm giving credit because this is actually by the guy who wrote it, a guy called Johnny Hebb or Bobby Hebb. Bobby Hebb, yeah. Good song. Stunning. Yeah. Beautiful song. It is a good song. Beautiful song. And he actually wrote it, so. I think he does the best version of it. I, I've heard I've heard all the crooners do it, and I love, you know, Bobby Darren's voice and all that, but I, I think Bobby Hebb does the best version. Beautiful song, Sonny. Yeah, it is. It is a really nice song. Good choice. Dandy, sorry, sunny. Yeah. All right. Good. We've got Jane Bunn doing the list. Uh, all right, Brian, what have you got? <laughs> now, now, Brian's list is um, You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes because Phil Collins, but that's Phil Collins' fault that that's number three on the bad list. Mm-hmm. Um, My Little Brown Eyes by Crispy and St. Peter's. And in the good side, it's Bended by Dave D, Dozy Beaky, Mick and Titch. And Last Train to Clarksville by The Monkees. Yeah, but the bend it was a bit of a mistake, so let's keep that in mind. Okay. Um, okay. Now, Kev, I, just, I haven't listened to this, but I just thought, no, this has got to be the worst thing on it. Perhaps you can enlighten me on what uh, psychotic reaction oh, by uh, count five. Yes, is that uh, something we should be ashamed of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, the Wii Five did sort of a couple of. They had a couple of hits. Psychotic reaction is just a very much a throwaway song that should have been thrown away before it was recorded. Mm, yeah, well, not good. Well, well spotted, Brian. I didn't even have to listen to it; I could just sniff it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, number one, uh, it's pretty easy. Um, it's a double A side, but. It's not for Yellow Submarine. It's for Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. I just think it's just a great song. I concur with my fine, uh, illustrious, uh, golden platinum recording artist friend, Brian Mannix. It is the best song on the chart by, I reckon, a street Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I think think Eleanor Rigby is the best chart on the song. song. I think it's the best song on that chart, Eleanor Rigby. yeah. But if it's coming to the dance with Yellow Submarine, I do not think Yellow Submarine is a great song. I was surprised when I saw the chart that Yellow Submarine was the A-side. Yeah, I find that a nauseous song. So it's like Eleanor Rigby gets full points, but if you're going to bring Yellow Submarine to the to the prom, then we're going to have yeah. to mark the pair of you, and I couldn't couldn't give her full full points. Yeah, so the, we, the, Blake, the Blakeney twins arrived and you've decided that one of them isn't right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think it's about ensuring future generations and, uh, you know, what? Which one? Which of those songs is the Wiggles going to sing? Yellow Submarine or Eleanor Rigby? I think the Wiggles are going to lead toward the uh, submarine. Yeah, unfortunately. Especially if it costs $850 billion. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be a bite in years. Yes. Uh, yeah. no, I love Eleanor Rigby. I think Eleanor Rigby is one of the greatest songs ever written. I, yeah, I think it's a great song. Oh, I love it. Uh, and my number one bad, that is my number one good. My number one bad, um, I wasn't a big Jerry and the Pacemakers fan, I have to admit. Um, they you were, were racist. What? You were racist. Why, why does that make me a racist not liking Jerry and the Pacemakers? 
just because he was white, you didn't like him. Oh, it's got nothing to do with that. Come on, Kev. Stop it. <laughs> We've had a lot of let- a lot of emails about this. Yes, I'm sure. Uh, no, I was never a big jury. There was there was some. I mean, some of those English bands like the Ho- I love the Hollies. The Hollies. Uh, I loved you know the Trogs and I loved the Animals. All those, but Jerry and the Pacemakers. There was something about them never quite sat well with me. What was well, that? we didn't need. We had the Beatles. Well, yeah. But, you know, I must. So, admit, yeah. I love the Hollies too. Yeah, they did something a little bit different. Yeah, uh, but uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Girl on a Swing. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, they had they had monster hit records, and uh, he was a really big star, Jerry. But I just never kind of got terribly enthused with them, to be honest. So they're my number one bad. And no, clear- I meant something. You see, I thought one of you would put the loved one by the loved ones in. Well, I yeah. could have put either of their two songs in, to be honest, because I like both of them. So I didn't put it in. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I That's did. a great song. Yeah, it is. It is a. It is a very, very good. Two very good songs by the loved ones. Um, I, well, I, I would have liked to put Strawberry Fields in, but it wasn't in this chart. So anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been, put it in in front of Bend Me, Shape Me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were putting songs that weren't in this chart in. Why? why did, yeah. that, that didn't stop you. Oh, an idiot. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, there you go. There's the chart from uh, November 30, 1966. I will put that one up on the uh, Facebook page so you can have a look at that too. Uh, and that uh, that brings us to a um, nice little close. Finish the uh, finish the week off, boys. To an awkward silence, to a abrupt end. What's on for the week, Mr. Fine? Uh, business as usual at Lenny's Fine Foods. In, uh... I'm going fishing tomorrow with the ox. Oh, good on you. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, good. It's a good fella. Um, yeah. Well, you'll have fun out there. I hope you catch something, uh, not a cold or anything in this, this current weather the way it is. I hope you catch a fish. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. The whiting are biting, my fishing man in Geelong tells me, so things, uh, things are well, good. We're- we're heading that side. We're going out from Portsea. Ah, very nice. Yep. Uh, and um, Mr. Mannix, what's the week ahead for you? Um, well, I'm something different. I'm coming back to Melbourne on the weekend. <laughs> um, about fifth weekend in a row. Um, and I'm playing at the Spiegel Tent in Rosebud. Um, and... Um, no, that's probably the uh, main excursions for the week. And I just uh, enjoy and relax and get some sun. All right. You do that. You do that, Mr. Fine, and I'll do what I'm doing, and uh, we'll convene again in a week's time. Lovely to chat, boys. Take care. God Fine. bless. See you, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>